You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Ricky Ross, Bob's T-Pain. I got a fresh lineup, get a fresh outfit. About to have a parking lot on Smash. Plus, I got a Chevy with a four, with the four in the hood. That bitch got 125 on the dash. I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. I'm the, I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. I'm the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. Cause it's just another day in the life of the goddamn boss. Welcome to the Let's Be Honest Podcast. This is Frank Styles, and we are here. Today is episode 11, 11th episode of the Let's Be Honest Podcast. I'd like to thank everyone that is supporting the show. Hope you had an opportunity to listen to episode 10, where we discussed LeBron, uh, LeBron winning, Trump hating. If you haven't checked out that episode, make sure you go to all the major platforms and do so. Um, I am on iTunes. You can catch me on iTunes on that platform. Just search for Let's Be Honest with Frank Styles. Styles is spelled S-T-Y-L-Z. You can also catch us uh, on Android, on your Android devices, through Google Play Music. What you want to do is you want to go to Google Play Music, into your settings. You'll see a podcast. Um, uh, it'll just say podcast in the settings, I believe. And then just search for Let's Be Honest with Frank Styles. We're on Stitcher, and we're now also on Spotify. So you can also find us on Spotify through the podcast. And if all else fails, if you don't have all that and you don't feel like dealing with that, you can also check us out at my website, which is bossradiostation.com. So all the episodes are loaded there. If you need help with your podcast, help with video editing, uh, voiceover promotion, um, podcast production, feel free to reach out to us there, and we can help you with that. And then the final uh, platform is the Facebook platform, which is Styles Boss Productions. Uh, go out there and like that page. Leave a comment where we give you, uh, we leave a lot of information and just try to give keep you up to date with what's going on. But with that being said, let's get into it. A couple weeks ago, uh, a group of black pastors had the opportunity to meet with President Donald Trump uh, to discuss uh, prison reform. One amongst one of those uh, of those group of pastors was Pastor John Gray, who has been receiving some flack about him going to visit the White House and speak with Donald Trump. And there's also another uh, prominent pastor. Uh, his name is uh, I believe it's it's Doctor or, or Pastor Scott. I believe his first name is might be Michael Scott. I may be wrong, but he had Darryl some Daryl Scott. Daryl Scott. Daryl Scott. Um, um, who had some interesting things to say about Trump being the most pro-black president uh, that uh, of his time that he believes. And we're going to let you hear that clip in a minute. But before we get into all that stuff and get into the nitty-gritty of that, uh, talk about that incident, um, I have a special guest in the in uh, the Styles Ball Studios with me, Mr. Lawan Mitchell, who is a business owner, small business owner, and he actually... Uh, is uh, actually is my cousin. <laughs> We're related, but he and I have some different views on a few different things. And uh, I asked him to come on to the show and talk with me about some of these things that are actually happening. He's the owner of Big uh, Big Truck. What is it? Big Truck Boy Transfer. Big. Yes, sir. Okay, uh-huh. Big Truck Boy Transfer LLC. He's uh, a conservative libertarian. He's also uh, studying uh, evangelist. He's been married for over 14 years, and he actually has an associate's degree in business administration. So people are probably going to think, well, like, yo, why is this dude on here? You're studying to be an evangelist, so that's a good thing with this topic. 
So maybe you can give us a little insight on your opinion um, regarding the pastors visiting President Trump. But the one thing that I want you to get into a little bit because and, and, and break it down in layman's terms for us, let our listening audience know exactly what a conservative libertarian is. Uh, first of all, I want to thank you for inviting me, and uh, it's been a while since we spoke, and I'm just just proud of everything that you're doing with your life, and I'm just just excited to be here. I appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, to me, a conservative libertarian is from the idea of personal responsibility. That is that people have a right based on the Bill of Rights to do certain things as long as it doesn't infringe with another person's rights. Uh, a lot of people look at conservatism as, as, well, you think that you're high and mighty, uh, you want everybody to be this way or do these certain things, but in actuality, conservatism is you have the freedom to do what you want as long as your freedom is going to interfere with my freedom. Um, take, for example, this whole thing about the restroom that was going on a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, it's... Yes, you have a right to, if you want to be a man, you want to be a woman, that's your right, that's your prerogative, that's between you and God. But when you want to start uh, making people want to accept what you're doing, and they might be against that because of their religious views, then you're stepping to my boundaries. You, you, you're putting me into a position that I can't uh, say or be what I want to be or who I want to be because what I believe, what I line up with, doesn't necessarily mess the uh, line up with your lifestyle. So as long as you don't try to impose onto me what you believe, then I won't try to impose onto you what I believe. And I believe that's what what true American ideals is all about. You be who you want to be, I'll be who I want to be, and we can live together and coexist, but when you start trying to demand that I accept you for being something when I feel that it's wrong in my heart, then we have a problem. We have uh, a disconnect. Ah, so basically... I know what you mean. Don't try to shove your beliefs down my throat, basically. Exactly. Okay, okay. Okay, okay. I can definitely respect that. You know, a lot of times when people hear the word conservative, um, they like, like you said, to your point, you know, people start to say, well, wait a minute, you want things one way. But you're basically saying, no, that's not necessarily the case. In your opinion, um, a conservative libertarian is one who has their own beliefs, you do what you do, but I'm going to believe what I believe, but I'm not going to allow you to shove what you believe down my throat or maybe try to bring it into existence through law maybe as well. Is, is that is that about right? It's exactly what it is. Okay. And what's amazing to me is that a lot of blacks are conservative on their views, but yet they don't want to claim conservatism just because of the... Uh, negative stigmatism that comes along with it. Mm. Because if you ask a lot of blacks what they believe in, they'll believe the same thing that conservatives believe in, but they just don't like that title because of the way it's been demeaned over the years. Mm. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you're giving us some insight on that. Um, I I recently, uh, let's see, maybe about a year ago, two years ago, became a independent. So my views are, are this, and I, I never said this before, but since we're talking about the, you know, the different terminologies of of of, uh, of belief in government, um, my belief is, and, and and someone else might say something a little bit different, but my belief is that 
regardless of affiliation, um, we should be able to be a little bit more bipartisan with our beliefs because everyone is not going to um, believe the same things or agree on the same things. But if we work together, I get a little bit of what I want. You get a little bit of what you want. We work together for the better good of the people or for the country. Um, That's my belief. Sometimes I hear Republicans say things and I say that makes sense. Sometimes I hear Democrats say things and I say that doesn't make sense. So in a sense for me, it's about more bipartisanship. And in a way, I agree with you. I don't think that you should be shoving anyone's beliefs down their throat or trying to bring it into an existence. Um, But I do believe that if something is not... If something is not fair to that group of people, um, then I think that possibly something should be done. Because we have a lot of laws on the books, and, you know, they get outdated. They become data decayed, you know. Laws on the books that were made 20, 30 years ago may not apply to what's occurring right now. So sometimes I think that those laws are out there so long, we forget about that. But maybe during that time that law was right. But when you start getting into, you know, as you get into the future, um, laws can be changed. But... Um, well, I think we're going to have a great conversation, man. We're also going to get into this uh, Omarosa thing and her secret recordings that she had of, um, well, one, I don't know why anyone want to record why they're being fired, but uh, she recently recorded, uh, <laughs> she came out last week and recorded, uh, uh, brought out the, the recording of her being fired by the chief of staff of the White House. She also initially had um, a recording, from my understanding, of one of Trump's, I think it's, I think it's his, maybe his daughter-in-law. It's, it's it's someone, I forgot who she is, but basically them asking her to come on board and work for the campaign and and work for uh, Donald Trump. So we're going to get into all that. And and what does that mean? Do we accept, you know, I want to get into, do we accept Omarosa back into the fold? Um, with, 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 with us, you know, just based on the things that she's done. So I'm going to get into that. But before we do that, go ahead and get into this, um, this actual clip that we have. And, and this is basically courtesy of, uh, I believe this is BCC. And uh, basically, they're just asking the question, did a group of black pastors sell their souls to Trump? And it starts off with Pastor John Gray praying um, in the uh, Oval Office next to President Donald Trump. So we'll take a look at this, listen to this clip. God, we thank you for an opportunity to speak about the hearts of those who sometimes cannot fight for themselves. The reaction was fast and furious, and it erupted on social media moments after John Gray, pastor of a mega church in Greenville, South Carolina, was asked by the president to open a meeting at the White House in prayer. Dr. King said, we cannot influence a table that we are not seated at. Gray, along with a small group of other black and Hispanic pastors, was invited by Mr. Trump to discuss efforts to reform America's prison system and other issues. But their meeting got a visceral reaction from many quarters, including from fellow African-American Christians, who called the pastors and other participants shameless and contemptible for taking part in the event. Hundreds of people took to Gray's social media accounts, venting their anger, I'm so disappointed with you, wrote one person on Gray's Instagram account. Another said, I have lost all respect for him as a pastor. Gray, who says he has been critical of the administration's immigration and other policies, 
posted a video on social media after his meeting with the president defending his decision to go. I did not go as a politician, nor did I go under partisan rhetoric. I'm not a Democrat, nor a Republican, nor an independent. I'm a Christian. If there's anybody who thinks they're above praying for people who sometimes they may not agree with, then you don't have the heart of Christ. Still, some of Gray's fellow African-American preachers are accusing him and other participants of selling out and tap dancing for the president at the expense of the black community. But it was perhaps this comment from Pastor Daryl Scott of Ohio, who was at the meeting with Mr. Trump, that got the most negative reaction. To be honest, this is probably going to be the, and I'm going to say this at this table, the most pro-black president that we've had in our lifetime because, and I try to, you know, analyze the people that I encounter. This president actually wants to prove something to our community, our faith-based mm -hmm. community and our ethnic community. The last president didn't feel like he had to. He felt like he didn't have to prove. He got a pass. Bishop Harry Jackson also attended the event. He told CBN's Charlene Aaron that despite the intense blowback, he believes it was the right thing to do. You can't be a prophet to the culture while you're standing outside of the room. Many of the people who came in to that meeting knew that they would be misunderstood, disrespected, lied on, talked about, but they came anyway. President Trump said his meeting with the inner city pastors was one of many steps his administration was taking to address the enormous challenges of reforming the country's prison system. George Thomas, CBN News. And that was the clip of the uh, meeting uh, that they had a couple of weeks ago with uh, President Trump, and that uh, was courtesy of CBC uh, News, which is actually the Canadian uh, Broadcast Network. Um, Juan, what was your thoughts uh, when you heard about the, the the pastors visiting? What is what what, what were you thinking? Um, because you know you know why they received the backlash. There have been a number of celebrity faces, if you will, that have um, been to the White House or been to Trump Towers when Donald Trump basically is looking for a photo op. If you know, you remember uh, Steve Harvey got a lot of flack from his uh, fan base about going there. Obviously, we know about Kanye West, um, you know, and a, and a few others. But what 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 was your thoughts when you heard that the pastors had went to speak to them, speak to Donald Trump regarding prison reform? My first initial um, thoughts were it was a good idea. Mm -hmm. um, the only way that you can really get anything accomplished or anything started is to sit down and have a conversation with one another. Mm -hmm. But then I went back and actually saw the the conference itself. And it had nothing to do with prison reform. The whole 30 minutes was spent introducing themselves and talking about how thankful they were for President Trump and how glad they were for the reforms that he's putting into place. So there was really a conversation about prison reform. So I don't even know why this whole narrative about them going to prison reform when that's not even what occurred. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why they call it an urban preachers when you had three white, three women there, mm -hmm. a Hispanic, and two whites. Mm. So why would they even call it a urban or or a black preachers? Why why were they so focused on that? Yeah, that that is. Why not just say that spiritual leaders came together to meet with Trump? Mm -hmm. 
Now, that is an interesting take because um, when I initially uh, heard it, I shook my head. And I immediately shook my head because I knew, one, um, John Gray, who was uh, pr- probably, in my opinion, the most prominent person because he's so fresh and so new. Um, where people, you know, I knew he was going to get some, some, some backlash, but my thought process is, is this, if we're going to talk about prison reform and you're really going to have a serious conversation about it, I agree. You do have to get to the table and discuss it, but Hey, that's great. You know, president Trump, you, you want us to come and, and talk about prison reform and our communities. And I'm, I'm great with my community, you know, and, 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 these pastors are all pretty sure they're great with their community. However, I'm not involved in making laws. I don't know your, you know, the policies and procedures for reforming the laws uh, for prison for prisoners that have been locked up. Let me bring in someone from all sides. Let's bring in some constituents from all sides to sit down and discuss it. Let's bring in John Lewis. Let's bring in Maxine Waters. Let's bring in, you know, some some other prominent. Um, Republicans that understand this process because I don't fully understand this process. And it's funny you mentioned that because there's a transcript. There were no questions asked whatsoever within this meeting. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so nothing actually was done, which is what really upsets me because they should have known better. It, it, you know, you immediately, you get excited. You get a, you know, I'm going to the white house. Wait a minute. You know what? He says he wants to talk about this, but is that really going to happen? If that's going to happen, let me call upon someone else that knows about this, uh, like a John Lewis, uh, and let's go in here and let's talk about this stuff if we're really going to get serious. And why those big names, right? You didn't call people, you know, people that are not as, you know, not as known as some of those that were there. You called people that are known or that have been in the news. So, again, it comes back to photo ops and opportunities for him. Um, so that it seems like, see, see, you know, look at these black pastors coming along with me. So you can't say I'm a racist and keep in mind, you know, this is coming up on midterm election time. You know, um, I'm not sure it's, 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 it's funny, but I do think that if you're going to have pastors involved, the pastors should be reaching out to someone that knows about this stuff. Would you agree with that? Uh, yes, um, especially if they are pastors that have dealt with this situation before that have ministries that are dealing with uh, people or uh, felons that are just, just coming back into the world from the prison system and trying to get them acclimated back into societal life. And, and they've done these steps and they've done these things, and they can say, well, this is what my congregation has done, and this is how it's worked out, and we want to show you the benefits of doing the process this type of way. Mm-hmm. But I'm not even sure if these people even have these type of ministries. I don't know. I don't know them personally. Right. But, but what I really have a problem with is the way that people will, will talk bad about them. Even though they might have good intentions, but why why the, the naysaying, the, the name-calling, if they're, they're in their hearts have a legitimate reason for, for going with them? What, what was the difference in uh, Martin Luther King meeting with LBJ? And he was a known racist mm-hmm. versus meeting with Trump. I, I, let me, what, what's different? I, I think I think the difference there. I th- here's here's the difference there. You're coming off of, um, I think during that time, you're coming off of um, 
you know, JFK being assassinated, right? Because the, if I'm correct, the the law passed for civil rights didn't occur until what sixty eight? Was it sixty eight? It wasn't. It was a little. What was it? I guess something like that. Yeah, something like that. I think it's sixty eight because I remember thinking Kennedy was shot in sixty three, so it wasn't passed until almost you know four five, five years later. Now. Um, History likes to teach, and we were taught that this is the way it went down. Martin Luther King, you know, went through this, he went through that, and then they signed the Civil Rights Bill. Well, we know that it didn't happen that way. Um, Martin Luther King had to almost force his hand with LBJ to get that Civil Rights Bill passed. Now, I think the difference is you had LBJ at the time during the Civil Rights era with John F. Kennedy. So to black people then, black people looked at... LBJ as a part, still a part of the of the Kennedys of the Camelot Kingdom. Um, LBJ was a known racist from Texas, but LBJ was also known for getting um, a lot of legislation passed. So he that's why Kennedy picked him as VP, but also to get those Southern votes that he knew that he could he could bring in. Now uh, uh, LBJ wasn't as outspoken in the press as a Donald Trump is now. Um, I don't think that LBJ would be as blunt, even though he was a very, very blunt man behind the scenes. He wouldn't be as blunt um, as a Donald Trump. So I think that's the difference. Also, in this day and age of social media, in this day of media, you know, they didn't have that back then. So all they had was newspapers and what was given to them, you know, and, and very seldom did they write neg- negatively like they, like we can just pick up Twitter or pick up YouTube and see exactly what they're talking about. So I think that's the reason. I think that's the difference in the two. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 I, I think, I think that's the difference in the two. Um, I, I, I get it. I, I certainly understand um, what John Gray was saying. I understand that, Hey, if you're a Christian, you're a Christian. If your heart is truly with God, then you should understand what I'm trying to do. All I'm saying is, in in doing that, sometimes you have to use a little bit of common sense. It's great to have your heart in the right place, but you do need to use a little bit of common sense and say, you know what, am I being used maybe by him? I know why I'm going in my heart, but am I being used by him? Because if I'm being used by him and we're not going to accomplish anything, then I'm not coming, you know. Um, who knows? Who knows what, you know, what it may have been. Um and then I know um, Pastor Scott has been very, very controversial. Very, very controversial. This was even prior to Donald Trump become becoming president. Um, he's been. This is not that what he said didn't surprise me at all. <clears throat> if you go and YouTube him and you see some of the interviews he has conducted and you hear what he says, you'll see that um, he's always uh, liked Trump. I guess the biggest question is. Um, are they serious about prison reform or are they, are they out for their own gain? Um, when you say gain, gain from what perspective? So are they going to get, are they going to, you know, are they going to pass a bill where, or come up with, uh, you know, a program where churches can receive maybe something if they have these type of programs, you know, like a prison reform program in their, uh, you know, in, in their, in their churches. Um, 
are they going to be put on some form of board through the government for a title for prison reform when, you know, it's really not anything getting done, but they're getting paid? Um, something, something to that effect, because we know that stuff happens. Um, you okay. know, um, well, I know they they have this uh, first step you know, that's, that's trying to go through. It's been through Congress already, and now it's trying to pass through the Senate. But as far as the details, as far as uh, uh, spiritual organizations receiving anything out of that, I'm not aware of that. Okay. But if if they were getting anything from that, is it worth the backlash that some of them are receiving? That's true. You know, I guess that comes down to, you know, how big of a following do you have and are your people going to stay with you no matter what? Um, if, it's, if, you, if you're looking at out of these congregations, I think they were saying that they were like from 6,000 to up to hundreds of thousands of con- uh, congregants in their congregations. Mm-hmm. So I, my whole thing is we haven't really spoken to or heard anything from these people's congregations. All we've heard things from is from their fellow laborers, fellow pastors. Mm-hmm. We haven't really seen an interview of saying, well, how did you feel about your pastor, John Gray, meeting with Donald Trump? How did that affect the service? How did it affect the relationship with him? Do you see him any differently then than you do now? But we, we're seeing all these other people that really don't have any uh, interest in what's going on with their local congregations. It's just that people from the outside are, are giving their opinions about what they would have done, what they would not have done. But the people that are really affected by it, why have we heard anything from them? That's true. I mean, that was that was one of my questions I had. You know, how will this meeting and views impact the church congregation? Well, we haven't heard anything to even know. So that is a um, that is a great uh, conversation, a great question. Um, I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering, like, you know, do they lose anyone over this, or do you know people? Because it's a catch twenty two, and this is this is a great segue into my next um, question. But. Because we are taught, and you correct me if I am wrong, that it's not about the person whom, it is about the person whom's leading the church. Even if you do not agree with what they're doing, your heart should be with God, and you should be there for yourself and to, you know, to praise God, not to praise the person. Am, am I correct in saying that? You're 100% correct. Okay. So I feel that it's, these people know who their spiritual leaders are. they I seriously doubt that anybody in a congregation does not know how their pastor leans left or right. Mm-hmm. So doing things in the, the governmental world really is not a surprise to them because they already know who their pastors are. Right. I know a lot of people like to believe, well, I didn't know that he's like that, but you already knew. If, if you're at uh, Daryl Scott's congregation, you see him all over Fox, you see him on CNN, you see him all over the news, you already know which way he leans. He yeah. leans towards Trump. So exactly. coming to meet with Trump is not going to be a surprise to you. So why would you lose membership if you already know how your pastor feels and where he stands at? And, and see, and that's that's the part that I have um, I have a problem with when it comes to religion. And let me ask you: Do you think religion should be involved with politics? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Let's start with start with your start with your yes. Yes, because if you really look at the setup of the United States of America, a lot of its principles, a lot of its laws 
or built upon Judeo-Christian principles. Mm -hmm. Thou shalt not kill, uh, taking care of widows and orphans. Mm -hmm. uh, just different things from the Bible you can find that this is what the country was set upon. But when you start doing things in the name of government that you shouldn't do because you're trying to align yourself with government, then you, you're creating a problem. Okay. You, you shan't. You have to always, if you're a spiritual leader, your first priority is serving God. Mm -hmm. Now, if the government starts doing things that are contrary to what God wants you to do, then you're creating a problem within yourself because you're not being true to what God has placed you in a position to, to lead his, his people. Mm -hmm. if, if a law is passed that goes against anything that's predicated within the Bible, then you should already know that these are not people that I'm supposed to align myself with. Yes, I'm supposed to to um, honor people in authority. I should honor people that are sent over to, to watch over the country. But I always also have a right to disagree with them when they're starting to do or say things that are not lining up with scriptures. And that's my first priority, to make sure that I'm staying aligned with God's word. Okay. All right. If I'm going to be a true pastor. Okay. And, and how about your no? Um, it's a double-edged sword because people don't realize that when you start taking things from government, mm -hmm. that eventually they're going to put stipulations over what you can and cannot do. Okay. Okay. That make that like, definitely uh, makes sense. So like a couple of, um, maybe a year ago when he was talking about the bathroom thing again, Yeah. there were a lot of congregations that were going to make have to have to go by the law of the land that you have to allow anybody that wants to use a certain restroom to use it mm -hmm. because that's the law of the land. But see, if you separate yourself from the government and say, well, I'm not going to take any money from you, I'm not going to take any grants, none of that stuff, I'm not even going to be a part of that, then you're free to do what you want to do. But when you start accepting money from the government, you have to live by what the government wants you to do. Okay. You know, that was real and big. With anybody. Yeah, that was real. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. That was real big here in North Carolina. Um, it was uh, a, a huge um, um, thing where they were just talking about um, they were going to make uh, they were talking about making businesses uh, have a certain restroom, and um, you know in, in in their businesses it was you know real really controversial you know people going back and forth people marching and and I get it you know you don't you know I have a daughter I don't want my daughter walking into what's supposed to be a women's restroom and there's some you know a guy that may be in the lgbt community you know that's becoming a woman or something like that and she's in there you know right. it's it just doesn't it doesn't sit well it doesn't sit well with me when you're when you when you think about it you know um and so it's been it was a that was a really really big deal um it's one thing for a person to actually be dressed but then there's another to say that i just feel like it well, you can lie and say that you feel like something just to be a pervert and get into that restroom with someone. Right. And and, and I think that... A lot of people don't look at it from that perspective. They just look at, well, I have the right, I have the freedom, I should be able to do this. But no, you're starting to infringe upon my rights again. Right. Where we're starting to bump heads. Right. I think, I think that was the biggest thing. I think the concern was, you know, because people were saying, oh, you're against the LGBT community. This and that, and, and and a lot of people felt like you felt. No, we're not saying that. We're saying we don't want to open a door for, you know, uh, a pedophile or uh, or someone to come in there, a pervert to come in there and try to take advantage of a law that's been passed, right? 
Um, because you hear about that stuff all the time as it is. And I even heard something a couple weeks ago, um, and and I'm not a big follower of his, but Tariq Nasheed was talking about how they're trying to make uh, pedophilia a mental illness. And that we, there was, and I heard the clips, and you could probably Google this and look this information up, but they were talking about pedophilia and how pedophilia, very much like they were saying, um, you know, when people uh, openly started saying that they were gay, pedophilia is something that they're born with. You know how you always hear that, hey, I was born gay type deal. They were trying to say the same thing about pedophilia, and I'm just listening to this, and I can't believe what I'm hearing, and they're saying we should learn to get along with these people. And and I, the first thing I thought was, wait a minute, these people are sick. That's that's not normal, you know. So yeah. it it it's I, I know exactly I know exactly what you're saying, and um, I, I definitely uh, understand why some people feel that way. Well, we we were talking about church and state basically, and 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 then we were just talking about you know kickbacks or should you know should churches get anything from it. The next question I was going to ask you about, because these churches, you mentioned the following that these guys have. How do you actually feel about faith-based pros- uh, faith-based prosperity? Um, you hear a lot of pastors, a lot of pastors, some um, well-known, some not very well-known, but you see them late night on TV or early in the morning on TV, and they have these huge followings. How do you feel about faith-based prosperity? Uh, I believe that the Bible is a book that teaches God's followers that they should be prosperous. Mm-hmm. prosperous. Mm-hmm. But I also feel that if a person gets into a ministry for that sole um, reason, that they're in the ministry for the wrong reason. Okay. You should not have your heart desire, or, well, I want to be a leader of a church, because I want to be rich, I want to be wealthy. That should be the last thing on your mind. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that God ever wants his people not to have what they need. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have all these people, well, not a lot of people, but enough people riding around with these big houses and these, these fancy cars, but then you have people in their congregations that can barely pay the light bill. What's the problem with that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm one that believes that a person is worth what they put into a whatever it is. But it comes to a point that you realize that maybe I'm taking too much. Mm-hmm. Maybe I need to give back to those that are hurting. Maybe I don't need to have five or six cars. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have the right to have them because I'm doing what gives me these things, but maybe I need to be a true story of what God has given me and, and blessed with that or less fortunate. Those that do really need help. I've even heard of congregations that unless you show your W two, you can't be a part of that congregation, part of that church. What kind of sense does that make? Yeah, absolutely. Turning people away from God because they're looking at you as being a poor, poor attempt, which a lot of people already view the church as. They, they view pastors as being only in for the money. Then those people that are really trying to help the community and help others, they get a bad rap because of those that are out there doing it for the wrong reason. So I believe that, yes, God wants us to be prosperous, but he doesn't want to have his name used in a way to make you prosperous. Right. So when you mentioned W-2s, now, um, so someone, in your opinion, in your eyes, as studying to be an uh, an evangelist, 
in your eyes, someone like a Creflo Dollar is not in it for the right reason? Uh, I didn't say any names, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to. You don't have to. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I don't know. But, you know, he, he had came under controversy, right? Um, he yeah. had, he had came under. So I, I don't I don't see what's wrong with buying coach. Why do you need your own plane? Right, but right, right. Yeah. Um, but he was saying that that wasn't true. Um, but it but someone said that it was right on the website <laughs> initially. Yeah, he said it wasn't true, but it was on the website. And I and 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 here's the deal. Um, I know some people that that follow him, and and that is their every right to follow who you need to follow. But my common sense tells me that he's in it for the money. When I see the way that he dresses, when I see the way that he lives, and then, you know, I'm not saying that there aren't some people there that aren't very wealthy and aren't probably in their heart thinking that this is God has given these things to me. But I also know that in every congregation that you go to, there are some hardworking people in there, to your point, that probably can't pay their light bill. You know, are they going to do those things? I've even seen situations where churches, and these churches aren't even this big, you know, local churches are asking for money. But then when a member who has worked within the church and done things within the church and had ministries within the church to help the church look for help, they could not give that help to them. And I don't think that yeah. it, I don't think that it should be that way. You know, there's a problem. One, if you're always asking for money when it comes to, Hey, we need to do this for the church. We need to do that for the church. We need to do this for the church. We need to do that for the church. What are you doing with the money? You know, you know, um, and, and well, it may not even be, what are you doing with the money? But maybe it's not being put into the right places. But the other part about it is, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say that what people forget is, is the building is not the church. The people inside the building are the church. Exactly. So if you're not taking care of people in the church, then what are you doing? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, what is your main focus on? Also, too, let me ask you this: Do you think, and and it has to be because there's always a business, a part of it. You're you're a business owner. You're you're running into things. You're finding out things every day. The church is can still consider business, right? You still have without followers, without a congregation, you can't afford the building. You can't afford to keep the lights on. You can't afford to have you know you know heat and all that good stuff. So. I also think that when establishing a church, you have to look at your demographic, right? And within your demographic, excuse me, there are going to be certain types of people that attend your church. Based on the type of people that you have attending your church, you should have an idea of what you should be receiving in from tithes, right? Um, you right. can't you can't put up a church and say, okay, here's the church, and here here are these people that have found my church. They're members of my church, and this is what my expectations and expectations of them are. I think that plays a role in things, and people forget. So, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, prosperity is one thing. I think if God wants you to have it, He'll give it to you, right? I think if yep. I think if He thinks you can't handle it, I don't think He'll give it to you. That's that's my yeah, thought right. process. Um, but I also don't believe my common sense tells me that. If I am a pastor and I am being successful and I do have a following, that I shouldn't be taking advantage of my following. Um, I think a lot of these guys start out very, very humble, and then sometimes greed—not all—greed overtakes them, you know. And if greed overtakes you and you're living well, well better, and you're not giving back to your community, 
you're not giving back to those that um, have helped you get to where you are, I think that's a problem. And I think that's why, to your point, what you said earlier, so many people are turning away from the church. Um, you always hear that. Uh, I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a touchy subject. It's catch twenty twos to it, like you said. It's a double edged sword. The one thing that I did want to ask you about, though, one was these some of the Trump supporters, right? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not talking about well. I'm I'm not referring to the ones with common sense. I'm talking about some of them from which we know are racist, right? Okay. You, sometimes what I used to do, and I I stopped doing it because I was like, you know, it just makes me mad. So I stopped doing it. But when I'm on social media sometimes and say an an, an article comes up about Trump and something outlandish or crazy that he's done, you can go in and read the comments about what people are saying. So you see the positive comments, you see the negative comments, but then you also see the racist comments, right? Um, Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they're not calling, coming out calling people the N-word or anything, but they're saying things like, hey, you know, you know, stop living on welfare or I don't want to give all my, you know, I don't want to be paying for someone else's this and someone else's that. You know what they're getting at. You know, they're, on, they're, they're speaking yep. in code at that point. Or they say the word thugs. You know who they're talking to uh, when they say those things. But what's so funny is some people make fake pages, some people don't. But I go to these people that have real pages. And one of the first things you'll see on their page is talking about God and country. Mm-hmm. And I never understood that, man. I never understood that. How you as a person can be very, very racist and show bigotry based on your comments and what you're saying, but then have the nerve to put God first. You, you put God, country, family, and all these other things, and you feel what you're saying is okay. That It doesn't make sense to me. What what? What what is that about? Uh, that comes from a lack of truly understanding Jesus and his teachings. It's no different than any a person that would go around uh, proclaiming being a super gangster or anything like that, and then they want to say thank you Jesus or how much they pray. Mm-hmm. It's two different dynamics, but it's the same mindset. They don't really fully understand the concept of what Jesus came to do when he came to this earth, why he died on the cross, or anything that goes along with it. Mm-hmm. They just... People say that they're Christians, but they allow other things to come before their Christianity. Mm. It's like, I'm a Christian. No, you're supposed to be a Christian first, then America. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a Christian, but I'm black first. No, you're supposed to be a Christian, then you're black. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian... But I'm white. No, you're supposed to be a Christian first. Then all the other stuff follows after. So if we could just get everybody to follow the the, the true teachings of Christianity of Christ and why he did what he did, then a lot of things that we're dealing with in this world we wouldn't be dealing with. Mm. Nobody really wants to focus on that. A lot of times we want to focus on ourselves. Mm. We we say that we trust God, but do we really really trust God? Right. If you trust God, then you would put things in His hands and not try to do whatever you can to fix whatever problem it is that you're trying to fix. Right. Because I don't care who you put into the White House, man is not going to fix what's going on in this world. Mm-hmm. Only God can do that. So it doesn't matter if it's Barack Obama, George Bush, uh, Donald Trump. None of these people can fix what's going on, which is a heart issue. Mm. Until we start looking at ourselves and examining ourselves, you know, it really doesn't matter what 
Trump tweets about, it's about my neighbor. Mm-hmm. How do I conduct myself with my neighbor? A lot of people want to say, well, Trump is the problem for all of this racial division. Well, when was the last time that you had a conversation with a white person? Right. When was the last time you had a conversation with a black person? Did you even speak to black people? Do you even speak to white people? Or do you allow what the media says to, to lean you towards, well, all white people are bad, or all black people are bad? Or do you really get to try to know different people that you come in contact with every day? The only thing that's going to change the world is us. I don't care who you put into that White House, who you elect to be in Congress, be in the Senate. They're going to do what's beneficial to them, first of all. Right. They say they're there for the people, but the truth is they're there for themselves. How many times you see people that are poor going to the government and all of a sudden they're rich? Mm-hmm. Well, you're supposed to be looking out for your people. Well, what happened? Same thing that happens to everybody. When you get power, you get greedy. Mm. And that's just a human failure. We all fall short somewhere in our lives. Right. And until we start looking at ourselves and say, well, I'm not going to let the government try to fix my problem. I'm going to fix my problem. If I have a problem with my neighbor, I'm going to talk to my neighbor. Just like, like this foolishness with the, uh, the the people being called on by the police for selling different stuff. Right. That's nothing new. <laughs> Same thing was going on over oh, no, Obama. <laughs> police were coming. Little girls were, were selling Lemonade, police would come and ask him, well, do you have a permit? Why do we have, why do we need a permit to sell lemonade? Right. But now it's escalated because the media want to push the narrative that um, this racial thing is going on, but it's been going on. Right. This is a white girl that was selling lemonade, but nobody had a problem with a white girl was selling lemonade. But now that the white people are calling the police on the black people for doing the exact same thing, now it's a big problem. Mm-hmm. The problem is government. Mm-hmm. The government does not know when to step out of people's priorities uh, of people's lives. Mm. Government is good. I'm not saying that we should not have a government, but the government should know where it stands, where its power begins, where its power ends. Well, selling lemonade in my house should not be a problem. Well said, man. Well said. You know what's crazy is um, you're mentioning about the lemonade, but what about um, black students at some of these predominantly um, white Ivy League schools that are being having the campus police being called on them for you know, taking a nap in an area that they are allotted to be at. Um, it's so crazy. And to us, we know um, this stuff has been going on for years. You know, we when we were in school, though, we didn't have that age of social media. And Juan, you, you, I know you probably remember this. Do you remember the first time that we actually had our first integrated prom in Alabama and in, in, in Eufaula? Do you remember that? I, I, but but it, let's just put it this way: it was in the it was in the nineties, but yeah, yeah. It, it, that was in the nineties. They were still having separated proms. Say that again. Say it again. You know, they were still having separated in proms 90s. in the nineties in Alabama, and not the fifties, not nope. the sixties, but the nineties. <laughs> in the nineties, in the nineties. Um, so this is this is nothing new. We're just in an age where we we we're a little bit more advanced. And it's being captured more. Um, had an incident here in Winston Salem, uh, Winston Salem, North Carolina, uh, a couple of months ago. Um, black woman shows up with her pool key in the neighborhood pool. Gentleman questions her, says he needs to see her ID, calls the police on her, even though she had a pool key to allow her to get in there. Um, the good thing is the police didn't give her a problem. The police took the key and said, "Hey, let's. Well, if the key works, she can go in." He, the key worked, got in. And uh, the guy was still like, well, it would have been nice to see some ID. Well, you know, they jumped him. They jumped on him quick, got him out of there. 
found out where he lived, found out who um, who his employer was. The employer fired him. And, and in my opinion, he should have been fired. You know, he you know, you're not going to represent with what's going on today and what narrative the media is pushing. You're not going to represent my company that way. And I'm not going to allow you to work here when you're doing things like that that are being captured. So it's it's and he lost his livelihood because of what? <laughs> I heard going into the pool was going to damage the weight. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's just so idiotic that people do stupid stuff, and and the benefit, the the, the the consequences of their actions don't even warrant what they're standing up for. Nope. So a girl wants to use a pool, and you want to start controversy over weight, and now you lost your job, your livelihood for weight. Yep. People just not thinking. <laughs> well, man, it's crazy, dude. Um. We can go on about that uh, for uh, forever. You know, I know you and I could talk about that stuff forever, man. But it's 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 a it's just something that um, I felt that people were talking about. I felt like people want to have a better understanding of, you know. And I know one's interpretation of the Bible is based on one's interpretation, just like law, right? One lawyer interprets a law this way; another person, and another attorney may interpret it another way. That's why we have the court system. Um, but in this particular instance, sometimes you just have to step back and use common sense. And that was one of the reasons, one of the things that I wanted to do with my podcast and my show was to make sure that people give them another way to look at things, but to use your common sense, think about what's being told of you or what's being told to you and think about actuality, what's really happening and walk away and form your own opinion. That was the biggest thing. And one of the reasons why I wanted to, um, put my voice in place for the for the podcast especially with what's going on right now but hey we'll continue to 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 keep an eye on what's happening um we're gonna move on to this whole Omarosa thing man even uh <laughs> you've been hearing about our, 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 our uh, one of the uh, favorite apprentices and her antics yeah. <laughs> within the white house what'd you think about it man uh You know what? If Trump really knew who this person was, why would he drag her along? If you worked with her on The Apprentice and in your business dealings, why would you think she'll be any different coming into the White House? Mm-hmm. So whatever happened with this, he partially brought that on himself. If you know a person a certain way that they might not be able to be trusted, then why are you going to send them along anyway? Well, who are you trying to impress? I mean, did anybody really... Um, Give kudos to Trump because he hired Amarosa. No. Nah. Anybody saying, "Well, Trump must be the, the man because he hired Amarosa." Did anybody <laughs> even care about Amarosa? <laughs> I don't believe so. I don't. I don't think so. Anyway, I don't. I don't think we, anybody liked her personally. <laughs> That's my exactly. Opinion. <laughs> my point exactly. <laughs> I don't think anybody liked her, but you know, uh, she. I, I. Well, one, she is black. <laughs> That's the only thing I can tell you, bro. Um, we do have a clip, uh, and this is courtesy of CB, uh, CBC News as well, and it's just discussing her. In Washington her this morning, a former White House aide is creating quite the stir. Omarosa, full name Omarosa Manigo Newman, has released another secret tape on the NBC News Network this morning. This is following the release of an explosive recording over the weekend, and that one has the Trump administration now threatening legal action. Let's go to Matt Kwong, who's in our bureau in Washington with the latest on this new tape. Good morning, Matt. Morning. 
Yeah, well, this is a new audio recording released by former Trump aide Omarosa Manigo Newman. Uh, she provided it to the Today Show, and she purports that this is from a phone call she received from President Trump the day after White House Chief of Staff John Kelly fired her in December uh, in the Situation Room. Uh, and in this latest recording, uh, Manigo Newman claims the president was caught off guard by her dismissal and that he reacted with some disappointment. So uh, take a listen to some of this audio. Uh, Marosa, what's going on? I just saw on the news that you're thinking about leaving. What happened? General Kelly, General Kelly what came happened? to me and said that you guys wanted me to leave. No, I, I, nobody even told me about it. Nobody, wow. you know, they run a big operation, but I didn't know it. I didn't know that. Yeah. Damn it. I don't love you leaving at all. So quite something. The president, ostensibly based on that, unaware that she was fired by John Kelly. So she's released that. She's defending herself on U.S. television this morning as well. What more has she been saying, Matt? Right. So, I mean, these tapes are all coming out during a press tour, really, uh, for uh, uh, Manigo Newman's uh, new tell-all book about her year in the White House. She's hyping this book, Unhinged, uh, but she says she was asked about why she feels the need to release these recordings of her bosses. And Omarosa is basically saying this is about defending herself and her reputation and to dispute some reporting about her. Uh, she says, uh, had it not been for her recording these interactions, people might not believe her. So take a listen to what she said uh, on the Today Show today. Had I not recorded this, people would say she has a credibility issue. Everything that's in my book, Unhinged, everything that you see is, in quotes, is verifiable, it's documented, and it's cooperated. Why did you feel you had to record? Because the first thing they do when someone leaves the White House, Savannah, is say they don't have credibility, they're just a coffee person, they didn't have access, they never talked to the president, they weren't in the room. Now, the White House reportedly believes there might be dozens of recordings like these made by Omarosa. It's exploring legal options to prevent more tapes from leaking. Uh, and of course, you know, one of those tapes was purportedly made inside the Situation Room in a conversation with John Kelly. And, and the White House says the very idea of a staff member sneaking in a recording device into the Situation Room, it really shows uh, disregard for national security. Obviously, electronic eavesdropping would be a big concern in that environment. Uh, situa situation Room is supposed to be a a sensitive compartmented information facility and it's protocol to lock up cameras and recording devices outside of those facilities. So the White House says Omarosa is simply a disgruntled employee. Uh, it's dismissing her book as being riddled with lies. Uh, as for the president, Heather, uh, he was also asked whether he felt betrayed by Omarosa and he used one word to describe her, low life. The insults continue. The book out tomorrow. Thanks so much. Matt Kwong there in Washington. All right, Juan, you heard that, right? Yes. <laughs> and I'm still trying to understand what is the controversy. <laughs> are you um, trying to say that Trump lied? She lied. Right. Or are you trying to say she got fired? Okay, she got fired. So what is the big deal? Right. Um, probably the big deal is, in, and, you know, I, I touched on this because this is not the first time that uh, – you know there are these these recordings. Um, I talked about Trump uh, Trumpgate versus Watergate a couple of episodes back, where I compared what's going on with Donald Trump to what happened with Nixon. Right? Um, you know Nixon was one way in front of the cameras and in front of people, and behind the scenes when he would record his conversations, he would refer to as refer to us as the N word. He would say Jews couldn't be trusted. A whole bunch of different things. This is well documented, right? Um, I think. There is a concern. You know, you got Trump's former uh, fixer, his former attorney, um, you know, recording him as well. And I think in these situations, 
the reason they record, well, one, it's, I don't think it's unusual for an attorney to record maybe their clients for their own merit to go back, you know, in notes and things like that, uh, to note certain things. Um, but I think these people know who they're dealing with. You, you know what I mean? Like when you look at the reputation yeah. of a Donald Trump and what he's known for, I'm not sure if I wouldn't record, record him. But you, still, if you already know who this person is, why would you even align yourself with that person? This is true. So what, what's the really, what's the real motive behind it? If I know that you're a certain way, why do I need to record you for my benefit to share with other people? I already know how you are, so I'm not even going to deal with you. Mm-hmm. So that's, we already know who Trump is. So you're not you're not making Trump look bad. You're making yourself look bad at your credibility. Mm-hmm. So if Trump can't trust you and he puts you in a position to be trusted, then why would I be able to trust you? She why would, would I text you or, or, or do anything like that if I know that something I say to you might come back and haunt me years down the line? She would say that she took the position for us as black people. For what? <laughs> if I do not like Trump, regardless of what you do or say, it's still going to not cause me to like or dislike Trump. Right. I've already made up my mind I'm for or I'm against Trump. So you're not helping me, you're helping yourself. I, I agree. I agree. Nobody, I seriously doubt that if anybody heard these tapes or whatever's coming out, Donald Trump already said that he could kill somebody in the middle of the street and people still feel the same way about him. Mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe that. After seeing all the things that he's done, all the things that he's said, he's not really lost any followers. Right. No matter what you do, if people are for him and his policies, they're still going to be there for him. There's no surprise. Like a lot of people say, when they elected Trump, they already rationalized all this stuff that came along with Trump. He was like a a, a, a Rolls Royce. Mm-hmm. It had a blown up motor. The seats were cut up, but it's a Rolls Royce. So we're going to take it anyway. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of people look at it. That's a great. I already know all these problems that come with this this car, but I want it anyway. That's a great so analogy, man. <laughs> who are you impressed? Right. Well, well. Here's the thing. I look at it like this, right? And we'll get back on that Omarosa thing. Here's 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 my opinion of what happened um, in that election, right? We had, in my opinion, two great candidates that should be in the White House. You had your uh, Bernie Sanders, and then you had mm-hmm. you had Hillary, right? Clearly, both are well qualified enough for the job. Then we have Donald Trump, who's known for big business. And being a reality star, right? So when I when I talk about these things, I say a couple of things. I think there's a couple of things that happened. A couple of things happened was Hillary's people, I think, were too confident. I think I think they were too confident, and they didn't think that people would uh, vote for Donald Trump. That's one. The second thing is, I think there are still to this day. Um, people out there that don't feel that a woman should be president, right? I think there are a lot of people that are out there, uh, you know, that, that don't feel that a woman should or can be president. The third thing I think is people are looking at it like, well, we just had eight years of a black president. We're definitely not getting ready to put a, a woman in the White House. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. they're tired of basically, I think she, I think she saturated in, in business terms, as they say, she saturated the market because think about it. You've seen her, she's, she's got a political career, 
So from being first lady, then becoming senator of New York, then becoming secretary of state, and then, you know, well, running for president, losing against Obama, then becoming secretary of state. Now, after eight years, she's, she's running again. So it, it came to a point where I think people were tired of seeing her, even though she was well qualified. Um, Donald Trump, not the most professional person in the world, as we know, right? But right. to other people, the way that he spoke to that certain base, they clung to that. You know, they don't want the same old politics, drain the swamp, um, speaking outlandishly. And as the as the campaign progressed, the rhetoric ensued. And I tell people all the time, one, I tell them all the time, man, don't get it twisted. There are a lot of black people that voted for Trump, too. There are yep. a lot of black people that voted for Trump. So um, I, I, I think that's where that piece was lost. Now, Hillary Clinton was obviously well qualified. She, in my opinion, she should have won just based on her qualifications. If you have a job and I have experience in this specific field that you're looking for, then I should win the job. Not a, not a candidate that has no experience, has a history of, you know, crazy business ventures, saying outlandish things, doing outlandish things, and being a reality TV star should not be president of the United States. That's why the big thing now is why not? Because he did it, right? And he knew nothing about government. Um, I think one of the biggest things right now, though, is it's showing, and he doesn't know how to control it. As far as Omarosa goes, obviously she was there. He he even said this. Donald Trump even said this a couple of months ago. Everybody wants a piece of the Oval Office. Everybody wants a piece of the power that is there. So that's why she's there. Now you have these recordings, and you're pushing your book deal. So of course you're going to say these things. My question is, even based on how she was raised, what did you do for the community prior to being with Donald Trump, I can't think of anything or hearing her of her doing anything at all. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel like personally, man, that we should even accept her back in because now she's talking crazy. And the other thing, one that this shows me is, think about what we're taught, right? We're taught in this society to succeed, and and, and specifically black people. You hear people, racist people, say this all the time. Well, if you people would just get out there and work, if you people would just go out there and do the right thing. You could do anything that you want. You can be rich as well, right? Obviously, they leave out the parts about, you know, discrimination and things not being fair. But think about the think about um, people that do do the right thing, right? You 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 go to school, you graduate, you go to college, you get a degree, you rack up all these bills from going to college. You then go on and you apply for a job. You become successful. You work in the corporate, you know, you work the corporate ladder. You move up the corporate ladder through hard work. You get a job. You're, you're getting paid, and you get to that 1%, right, those people that are making that those big bucks. At the end of the day, all that hard work, you go to a country club because you like golf, and it's a very, very nice place, and you can you can network, and you go there, and they don't accept you. You know, um, at the end of the day, same thing happened to Omarosa. Omarosa experienced what most black people experience on a daily basis. At the end of the day, Omarosa, no matter how, where you went to school, no matter who you know, no matter how hard you work, 
they got you up out of there because to them you were still black. Now that's just my opinion, but that's what happens on a daily basis to black people. You know, what are your thoughts on that one? Would you agree with that? But can we really say that's why she get up out of there or (laughs) could it be her job performance? (laughs) What did she do? (laughs) That's my point exactly. So if she's not really doing anything, why do I need you here? Yeah, yeah. What are you really contributing? Except for having a face, a a, a token face, what are you really doing for my organization? Mm -hmm. Why do I really need you hanging? Mm -hmm. And now that you got this... I really don't need you hanging around. Right. I see the type of person that you are. Why would you Why would you even go into the White House with this mentality, well, I'm going to record all the conversation I have. Why? Mm-hmm. So you already had an idea in your mind that this is going to give me some money somewhere down the line. Uh, Trump is the way that he is. I can make money just off his name. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write a book. Just like the other book that came out a, a couple of months ago. A oh. lot of people gravitated and wanted to read it because it was something about Trump. Mm-hmm. Just put something about Trump on the book, and it's going to sell. It might sell for a couple of weeks, but it's going to sell for a little while. Because everybody wants to know what's in the book about Trump. Have your New York Times bestseller. Exactly. <laughs> and that's what she's looking at. Well, I'm going to make money this kind of way. Okay. It's just a hustle. So, so, for, so in your opinion, it's a hustle for her. Um, she got ousted. And, and, and now that you put it that way, man, I think about it. You know, the chief of staff. Ooh, I got one for you. And because I thought about this, you know, since he's been in office, there's been a ton of leaks about what's going on in in the West Wing. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if they found out she was one of the people that were leaking the information. Well, well, well. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. If they found out she were she was one of the people, or well, if if they if they thought she was one of the people, they would have said it if they knew. But if they thought that she was one of the people leaking the information, and they're just like, you know what, let's cut our losses, let's get her, let's get her out of here, she should be gone, right? Kelly um, did say something about her integrity. That is correct. Well, that meant I don't know, but that is what he said, something about her integrity. Yeah, and that's and that's right because when he said integrity, that's what made me think. I wonder if she was a leaker. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was kind of crazy because. <laughs> She was like Craig from Friday. She got fired on her day off. That was at the Christmas party. <laughs> that was at the Christmas party. She got fired on her day off. But um, do we let her back in, though, man? Do we do we let her back in? Was she ever out, though? <laughs> I know we have this tendency of, of disowning and disclaiming people, but do they really do they really get exiled from being black? Well, I'm going to tell you what. That's a good question. I'm going to tell you. Kanye is still black, but I don't support his music anymore. Why is that? I don't support Kanye's music um, just based on the stupidity that, you know, I mean, I don't want to say stupidity because on one hand, I'm, I'm, I'm saying his comments that he made about slavery being a choice, right? Um, wearing the Magna hat. Right. Um, some things, especially with his mom and, and who she was and what, you know, how he used to speak out for black people. I was highly offended. I was I was highly offended. And I just can't support someone that. Is that ignorant from that sense, because slavery really was not a choice. You know, you, you he, he acted like he acted like we 
didn't try to stop it or get away. You, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you had people like Nat Turner and you had others that uprising. You heard about, you know, uh, slaves, you know, uprising on plantations, things like that. And I think that sometimes before you say stuff, especially when it comes to history, that you should research that stuff and really get a better understanding of it. So that's why I don't support him in that sense. Um, because to me, you know, you're out there, you know, we all know black people are the biggest consumers of product, right? Or the number one right. consumers of product. But you're out there selling sneakers for three and $400 to our people. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I, I just, I just, I can't do it. I, I will not buy a, a $300 pair of sneakers or $400 or however they, how much they cost. I just don't agree with him doing the things and saying the things that he said because he made us look ignorant. And then what that also says to those people that are racist, because not all white people are racist. We know that. But to those that are, they say, see, you look, you know, you know what I mean? See, Kanye West gets it. How come you can't get it? But the way I looked at it is he was not necessarily just stopping at the end of slavery, but this is my opinion that he was bringing it forth to this time frame as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because he said, didn't he say it was like 400 years? Has slavery been over for 400 years? Yeah. He did say that. So I guess I get what you're going, where you're going with it. Like, I'm looking at his mind is you know, we still have people that enslaved. Mm-hmm. Whatever that might be, that they have a choice not to, like he was saying, that just because you're black, you don't have to be a Democrat. And that's what he wanted people to understand. Just because you have a different opinion from somebody else doesn't mean that your opinion is necessarily right or wrong, but it's your opinion. Mm-hmm. This is what the country is all about, me having my opinion. I might not agree with you. You might not agree with me. But we can still sit down and have a conversation with one another. Mm-hmm. I don't have to defame you or, or talk down to you, but let me have my opinion. Mm-hmm. I might be dead wrong in what I believe in, but at least it's what I believe in. Right. Isn't it worse to have a belief of something just because you want other people to like you? Mm-hmm. A lot of people do that. They, they they go along to get along. Okay, if this is going to make you happy, I'm going to pull on the front and say this is what I believe. When I know deep down in my heart, this is not who I am. This is not what I want to be. Mm-hmm. Just be, just to satisfy you, to make you happy, this is what I'm going to put on for. Mm-hmm. And, and, and and like you were saying about the, the shoes, well, look at all the rappers talking about the Versace and all this kind of stuff. How many oppressed people, people in, in low-income areas, are ever going to be able to afford a Lamborghini? Right. That's really really think about that. But this is what you put on. Just like I was reading an article before we got on about 2 chains. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know 2 chains about women half-naked. Now he's talking about getting married. So why was he talking about this all along? Knowing the, 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 the sexual rate that's going on in the black community, why don't you put forth these images of a man and a woman being together in, in unity mm-hmm. instead of, uh, of of looking down on women and, and, and have them as, as sexual objects? Mm-hmm. A lot of this Me Too stuff that's going on, we can we can change some of that, but we can't do that if if we if we're doing this just to get paid. Okay, well I got a new booty song I need to to put out because it's gonna gonna pay me some money. Mm-hmm. What's more important, my community trying to build itself and be better, or or money in my pocket? Mm, that's facts, man. See, I I, I agree with and you. I, and one more thing, one more thing, uh-huh. and that's why I like that um, Charles Bagino, uh Charles Gambino song. Yeah, this is America. Yeah, I know a lot of people may say it mean one thing, but one thing that stuck with me says, "Black man, get your money." Mm-hmm. 
black man, get your money. Mm-hmm. No matter how it takes to get your money, get your money. And that's why a lot of people have this mentality where the ends justify the means. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about dope, I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to talk about that, because that's what I need to support my family. But what about the other families that are, are listening to this and are being ruined by this type of stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to really, really consider, well, how is this music affecting me? Right. I, I was reading uh, James Prince's book, uh, the art and, and uh, the art of um, respect. Mm-hmm. He said that he would not allow his children to listen to rap music while they were in his house. Mm-hmm. This is a man that put out the Ghetto Boys, right? Willie D, Scarface, Bush right. Bill. But he's saying that while his children were in his house, in his house, he would not allow them to listen to rap music because he knew that they were not mentally ready for it. Mm. That's something to think about. That is, that is, that is something. Let me, and I'm, I'm going to touch on something too, but let me get back to that, that Kanye West thing and respond to what you said about that. So I agree with you because um, when I heard it, I was like, well, maybe he's having a hard time articulating what he wants to say because his mind is always going. You know, he's an artist. That's, you know, they, they say a lot of artists are like that. And especially, you know, Kanye, <laughs> he said he was on opioids when he did his rant on TMZ. So I know sometimes he can't always articulate the way that he wants to and, yep. and give his meaning because his mind is racing a, a mile a minute. However, he did say that he liked Trump and that he, he, he liked what he stood for. And then he wore the hat. The biggest thing for me, I think when you say you like Trump and you like what he stand for is the thing that stands for me is when you got the, like, for example, the Charlottesville, the whole Charlottesville thing, when he would not denounce the, uh, you know, those, uh, what, what do they call the, the, they're called the alt-right. Um, when he wouldn't yep. denounce them, and then when he did denounce them, he came out. You could look and tell that, that he was forced to do so. And then he came back the next day and then said there were bad people on both sides. So when I think about that, I think that was the wrong thing to do. And if you can't express yourself the way that you want, you make enough money where you can get pay someone to help you express it. So whoever your PR person is, you know, have a representative that say this is what Kanye is saying. This is what Kanye meant. Because – a lot of people listen to him. You know what I mean? A lot of black youth listen to him. A lot of um, black people, period, listen to him and looked up to Kanye. So I, I, I get where he's going, but I, I can't forgive him until he comes out and says, you know what, that was a bad idea. But then again, I also know controversy, we're in a day and age where controversy is always going to be more prevalent than positivity. So at that during that time, he had an album that was coming out. You know what I mean? So... Uh, you know, this would have may have been something to stir up um, um, record sales and, and all that stuff. And even so, he came back later, and, and, and that's exactly what it was, because he said, I thought y'all said I was out of here. You know what I mean? Because so many people still listen to his music. I wasn't one of them. Um, but a lot of people still went out and listened to, this mu- listened to his music. Um, but back to what you were, you know, you were saying. Well, hold on, let me, uh, what you were saying about uh, what Trump said about uh, good people on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Were you offended by that? He said, he said, he he said there were good. Well, let me, let me make sure, make it clear what he said. He said good and bad people on both sides. I think he said there was. Um, I I was offended, and I'm gonna tell you why I was offended. Yes, in this country, you have every right to peaceful protest, right? Mm-hmm. So, even if you're you are a neo-Nazi. You think that, you know, you know, 
black people shouldn't do this or black people shouldn't be here. Whatever your feelings are, you're a racist, okay? I think you have every right peacefully to march and express your opinion. That's what this country is about, right? Right. What I have a problem with is that's not what I saw. And this is just my opinion from what I saw. And this is, I wasn't there. Um, I did see a documentary, though. But that's not what I saw. I, I saw uh, I saw on the news people with tiki torches uh, chanting things that really shouldn't be chanted. And it didn't look very peaceful to me. You know, um, that documentary I was telling you about, there is this uh, this lady that did a documentary who had a father that fought for civil rights in their country. She came, he brought her here when she was a child. And so she wanted to get to the minds of these this alt-right the neo-Nazi group, she spoke with him, met with him, and was in Charlottesville when this happened. So when I saw the documentary, I actually got to see what was happening. There was a lot of antagonizing by that side. You know, um, one guy even went as far as to say, well, how do you get a black person's attention? Call him the N-word. You know what I mean? Um, And so that offended me when he said that because he was making it seem like, well, these guys were peaceful, this group wasn't, and you should be condoning it. You, you shouldn't be condoning it. You know, you come out and you make a simple statement. You say, everyone has the right to peaceful protest. The alt-right has a has right to be to a peaceful protest. What they don't have the right to do, though, is antagonize and to start things to cause an uproar. And, you know, as we know, what happened, um, a young lady was killed. Um, by a car, you know, by the gentleman that ran through the crowd and, you know, the young lady was killed there for standing up for something that she believed in. So, yeah, I was a little offended by it. What what, what were your thoughts on that? Because you, you, you asked me that for a reason. What were your thoughts on that? From my understanding, the whole part of the uh, protest was the statues, right? Yes. That's how it, all That's started. How it started, right. Okay, so what if there were people there that were there to protest this? the statues and not necessarily in the midst of the Antifa and Nazi stuff that was going on. Mm-hmm. Their whole protest was, well, I'm Southern, this is part of my heritage, blah, 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 and that's what they were there for. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at him saying that maybe that's what he means, that on both sides that some people were not necessarily there for the reasons that the news is broadcasting. They were actually there for a peaceful protest to say that, well, I don't want you taking away my heritage. Mm-hmm. You might not like it, you might not disagree with it, but this is my heritage. This is what my family believes in. This is what my family was brought up on. I don't see a reason why you want to tear down a statue that's not harming anybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I certainly so understand. That's, that's my mindset. That's what I was looking at. Yeah. At him saying that, well, there's people, people on both sides. Yeah. Not necessarily that he's talking about, well, the Nazis are good or the Antifas are bad. Uh-huh. But it's just that there were certain people that there came for the right reason to hold a peaceful protest, but everything just went haywire because people... We just all jumbled together. Right. I, I think I think when you're doing when you're dealing with something as sensitive as that, I can agree with you there. Um, I think though when you're dealing with something as sensitive as that, again, it's how you articulate it, right? Um, yeah. When you have something as sensitive as that, then you have to come out bl- um, blatantly and and bluntly and say that. I don't think that you can beat around the bush on what you're saying. I think the reason that he but did that we go again. Uh huh. Trump is not a politician. Right. We got that in mind. He is not a politician. He has not been polished to speak like a politician. He's still speaking like he's a normal citizen, like yeah. a normal, ordinary citizen would say. Yeah, but see— but He hasn't had these government classes or, or, or speech classes to say, well, 
say this, don't say that. Right. Because people are going to dislike what you say. He's just speaking from his heart. This is what I believe. Yeah. But I, I think, you know, and, and, and I, I get it, but I think for a person that speaks as bluntly as they do on Twitter and other smaller incidences as someone as petty as a Donald Trump, I think that being the circumstance as sensitive as that, that particular issue was, he could have articulated it a little bit better. I mean, he had three different instances to do so, if that's what he meant. And that's why people call him a racist, and that's why people say he's racist, because if he wanted to, he could say, you know, this X, and this is what I was trying to articulate, but he doesn't He doesn't do that. And so... Um, but then I, if he was to do that, then it would say that he's just trying to backtrack, so he can't win to lose it. Well, be the point. well, the, the the point of that would be, I don't think that he would backtrack. He couldn't win for losing. I think that if he initially comes out and says, "I don't condone this," this started, this started. I th- if I and I may be wrong. Oh no, this is when he was then candidate Trump when they asked him about the head of the Ku Klux Klan, David Duke. He said he didn't know who he was. Everybody knows who David Duke is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, yeah. we 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 you try to see, and I know what you're doing. One, you're trying to you're trying to give the good point of a person because that's how I do it. I don't I don't make my judgments based on what someone tells me or what I hear. I observe for myself, right? Um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and in doing so, what I do is I say, okay, this is what I noticed. Well, I've never seen that. You know what I mean? Or it never came across that way to me. But he has ample opportunity, and I think. When you have opportunities to take advantage of a situation and you don't, people just learn with the notion, well, you know what? Maybe he really don't like black people. You go back to the Central Park Five. You go back to um, him having problem with the predominantly black you know, neighborhoods, um, not wanting black people to live in apartment complexes. He's been sued over and over again. He has a history of, of, um, of racism. Um, uh, Tariq Nasheed had brought up a point about Donald Trump. He was saying... If Donald Trump wasn't a racist, he could come out. Those those the Central Park Five have been cleared of all wrongdoing, right? Based on DNA evidence, um, he said that he took out that full page article. He could apologize for that, and people could look at him, you know, very very differently. But he hasn't done so because he's Donald Trump. You know, one thing that a lot of rich people don't do, and this is just my opinion, people like him that are narcissistic and have those type of attitudes is. They don't feel they have to apologize for anything, whether they're right, right or they're wrong. That's who Trump is. He, he does not. I don't think he ever said sorry in his life. Yeah, he probably has. He doesn't that type of person that would say, "I'm sorry." He, he'll he'll backtrack and say, "Well, they are trying to did this that way," but I don't. I don't believe he ever said in his life that he's sorry by Pro- anything. Probably not. Probably not. Um, the funny thing is, and I told this to people, and um, I don't know if you get enough time because I know you're you're always busy. But I don't know um, if you check out. Uh, there's a Netflix documentary on him called Trump. If you look at the beginning of his career, he was actually he was an all right guy, man. And then he met this attorney, and they have a documentary on him as well. This attorney made him view things totally different. And um, if you get a chance to check it out, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. But um, Donald Trump is who he is. I think that. Uh, you know, he's going to say what he wants to say when he wants to say it, and he's not going to apologize for it. I think that's what a lot of his base likes about him, right? He he just he does not apologize. It is what it is. You either take it or leave it. And that's why you have so many people that are still on the fence about him, whether they're going to, you know, uh, vote for him again um, for another four years. But 
one thing that we did touch on, and, and I'm going to do this in closing, I'm going to ask you, um, and this is just about in everything. One, when did we become such a sensitive society that you can't say this without, you know, um, making someone feel uncomfortable or you can't do that or making them feel offended? When did we become so sensitive of a society that you barely can say hello to someone without them being offended? I think it came about when we had this trophy mentality that everybody has to have a trophy. Mm -hmm. Regardless if you win or lose, everybody has to have a trophy to be accepted. Mm. So now we've gotten sensitive that you say the littlest, I mean, comedians can't even be funny anymore because they worry about offending people. Right. That's their job to take realistic situations and find the humor in them. Mm -hmm. So if I talk about somebody that's of a different sexual orientation and how I view that, then I should be able to find a joke in that because that's my job. But now we're so worried about offending people that we're scared to talk to one another because I don't want to seem racist. I don't want to be seen sexist. I don't want to seem homophobic by anything that might set you off. Mm -hmm. Because like we, like we were saying earlier, look how many people are losing their livelihoods over things that they should, but what about the ones that are not? Just like like uh, Roseanne Barr. Right. Talking about, uh, what was her name? Uh, you talking about, Jared. yeah. You talking about when she was talking I about. I don't know her heart. Yeah. She, she said that she looked like uh, a monkey from Planet of the Apes. Mm-hmm. I don't know her heart. I don't know what she meant by saying that. Mm -hmm. If she truly was just saying that to make a joke, then why would that cost her losing her job? Why would that cost her losing her livelihood? Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of we have a tendency of want to judge people, but not really understanding where where did that come from? Right. We have to get over this 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 this, this mentality of being so oversensitive about everything that we see. Everything should not be offensive to everybody. Mm -hmm. We have to learn that something we just need to get over. We need to look over. People are stupid. People say stupid stuff. Right. We have to be mature about it and, and just say, well, okay, it was done what you said. It was offensive what you said, but I'm going to move on. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to cause you to lose your livelihood over something you said because I might have said something that hurt somebody else Right. a while back, and I might apologize for it. Just like the other guy that, uh, and I, I'm going to shut up when I say this, uh, the guy that was doing the, um, uh, man, what is the movie? Uh, uh, it's a Marvel movie. Oh, uh, I know what Whatever. you're talking about. The, he, he said something uh, in the, the, regarding the Me Too movement or something, and um, they wanted him off of those movies, the Avengers movie. Yeah, and he, he was one of the directors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he was, uh, basically he was just saying that he was apologizing for something that he had said. A while back. Right. So now you want to fire him for just apologizing for what he said a while back. Why? Right. It's over. It's done with. He, he, he's seen the error in his ways. He's trying to repent of what he's done. So let him that room of, of apologizing, of, of trying to make wrong what he's, trying to make right his, what he's done wrong. Right. Why don't you give him the opportunity? But no, let's fire him. He don't need to work anymore. Why? Right. What What's crazy he, about... You need to stop that. Yeah, what's what's crazy about that whole Roseanne situation, and, and I can tell you what what really uh, got her. 
Um, she's been controversial before um, in, in some comments, but we all know that she's truly a, she's a true Trump supporter. So I think it was just bad timing for her, you know, and we also know that, you know, when you're referring to a black person as a monkey, that definitely <laughs> that definitely will get you out of there. And I mean, um, and then, you know, the vice uh, I mean, the president of the uh, of, of media and television is also a black woman. So you've also offended her uh, as well. So it doesn't surprise me that that, you know, she got out of there. But also, too, um, I would like to think that, you know, even if she was saying it to be funny, there's a there's a thin line that you walk with when you make those comments. But the other part is Roseanne also has had a substance abuse problem. So in that point, you know, she could have been saying things and she doesn't even realize what it is that she was saying. Um, but at the end of the day, we have become, I think social media is a thing that can be used when used correctly. It is an awesome tool. But in this age of social media and media and phones and everything that we have, you know, on our cell phones, we it's a small computer that we walk around with. You know, there are so many things. People don't even have to bully anymore in person. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when we were in school, it was like, man, you know, someone could pick on you or say whatever to your face. Now they can do it over the phone, over the Internet, online. So it's 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 a crazy thing um, when it gets to that point. But we do have to stop being so sensitive because, you know, to your point, comedians can't even make jokes without someone being offended by what is being said, you know, or they have to bite their tongue and say, should I say this or should I not say that? Even in the workplace. Because we are in a Me Too era, they're even saying, one, that um, in the workplace or outside of work, if you are, um, if you meet someone and you decide to have a relationship with them, a, a sexual relationship with them, they're saying sign an agreement to do so, that they're okay with it because it can be used 10 years later, you know what I mean, after the fact. You know, oh, he touched me a certain way or she touched me a certain way, whatever the case may be. We've become definitely a sensitive society. I just don't I don't remember all of these things um, happening, you know, in, in, in 10 years ago. I just don't. So I don't know, man. And I think a lot of it has to do with legality as well. Yeah. If you can find a way to sue people to make a fortune, well, that's what I'm going to do. Oh yeah, part of that has a lot to that as well. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing. It's all about money now. To your point, I was going to make that's what I I, I know uh, what I was going to say when you were talking about two chains and this and that. Um, and I'm going to say this in, in in closing the podcast, but it is one of those things where people are doing whatever to get the bag. You know, it's 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 about it's about money. You know, I listen to other podcasts and I hear um, young people. You know, some of them are 24, 25 years old. They're in media. They're in tech. They're in, you know, whatever. But I just hear some of the things that they say. Like, the first thing they say is, you know, you can't you can't be broke, you know. And, and when I say broke one, I don't mean broke in the sense of he doesn't have a job or he doesn't um, – he's not working for a living. He's not working hard. He doesn't have goals. In their mind, that person should be making, um, you know, 60, 70, 80 – thousand dollars ninety thousand dollars hundred thousand they should be making six figures to want to date them you know what i mean and this is a young lady so i'm thinking to myself that's just the young person talking uh it's myth versus reality right the the, the reality is the average person doesn't make that type of money right that that's 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 the that's the reality and the other thing is when they get older 
You ain't going to be thinking about that. When you hit your 30s and you hit 35, you're not going to be thinking about, well, he's got to have six figures because you're going to find yourself by yourself. That's, you know, I just, I just hear that stuff and it just makes me cringe. I just don't know when we become so obsessed with it's about getting money. And yeah, you, you got to use money as a tool to survive. It's, that's, it's culture. It's the way the world works. I get that. Right. And if you're prosperous and do it, more power to you. But we're in a society now where people are just like, they have to have it with me. If I don't have a certain amount of money, I'm fine. You know what I mean? I'm comfortable, you know, but there are people that have to have money in their pocket, not doing anything with it. They have to look at it. They have to know that it's there. And I just don't, that's not the way I, that's not the way I roll. That's not how my mind functions. And we become a society where we're sensitive and it's, it's about, it's about money. And, and, and what are you going to do to get it? You know what I mean? So. So we're becoming a shallow people. We don't have our own identities. So this is who I am. This yeah. identifies me. Right. I'm the one with the fat pockets. I'm the one with the nice ride. That's how people see me. They don't see me as being a person. They see me for the materialistic things that I have. Yeah. Until we can start looking at people for being people and start worrying about what they have, what they don't have, then we're always going to have that mentality. Well, he ain't nothing because he ain't got this. Um, it, it's just crazy. It's crazy. It, it is, man. And and you know what? What's crazy about it, and um, this was – in the 2000s, you saw like, right? We like to call it the bling era, right? So in the bling yep. era, it was about, you know, the jewelry, the cars, the money, and this and that. And that was there for a while, but then that like died out. And I don't know if it's the age of social media that made this reemergence with Instagram models and people having their businesses online and stuff like that. I don't, I don't know. But now it's all about, you know, the, the, the cash. And there's nothing wrong with making money, but it seems like when you hear a conversation, when you're speaking, when you're speaking with someone under the age of 35, they are talking about these things. It's about, to your point earlier, you know, the Belago shoes or whatever they're called. It's about Gucci this, Gucci that. And you come to find out later, a lot of these people that you see on, on social media trying to get likes and this and that, that stuff is not even real. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're front and front of Graham. It's not even who they are. They're just as broke as the next person. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I don't know, bro. I don't know. But I know one thing, man. I'm going to have you back on the podcast again, man. It's been great having this conversation with you. And this has been episode 11. Right. Uh, um, you're going to be able to find this on iTunes. Just search for, um, uh, let's be honest, with Frank Styles, S-T-Y-L-Z. Um, you can find me on Instagram under Frank Styles. You can go there and um, follow me on Instagram there. I'm on Twitter at Frank Styles One. Send your questions, comments. Um, go on in and put the comments on the show. Spread the word, man. Um, share this podcast with your friends. It's just a way of my personal insight, having great guests like Juan on to give their input on things. And uh, I'm definitely going to have him come back on when one time allots him uh, to come back on again, man. I am Frank Styles, And on behalf of Juan Mitchell, Hey, we appreciate you listening, and I'll talk to you guys soon.